Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> W-J-B-R Internet Radio for the Inquisitive Mind and the Sophisticated Ear. Legendary artist or someone brand new You miss a lot when you miss one day At least that's what I heard somebody say But it doesn't really matter what whoever says It's always a good show With your bonnet to rest Yeah Brunch in the basement With your bonnet to rest Yeah See who we got today or what we doing today or Whatever it is, it's gonna be good Woo! Mm. I love you all so much. We can see you now. I know. And thank God. Yeah. That's generally the response we get from everybody, but we keep it clean. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today is going to be a great, great show. Very, very uh, busy. Very, uh, I don't even know another word to, to say, but it should be uh, very informative interactive and therefore if you are willing or and or able to you should join us in the chat or you can call in live and the number to call in is 347-996-5394 I'll put it up in a few minutes uh just want to remind everyone that if there are people in your life that you love don't hesitate to let them know that, you know. We have to be the bearers of love. We have to show love. This world is is crazy. So if you're feeling somebody, if you love somebody, let them know. I want to welcome everybody to WJBR Internet Radio. It's uh, internet broadcasting for the inquisitive mind and the sophisticated ear. Uh you know, we do a little bit of everything on this show, and today will be a lot of political talk. We have our very own Nathan James coming through this morning, followed by none other than Pam Keith of Florida. Um, this is going to be a crazy, crazy show. Looking forward to it. 
and looking forward to your input. And I'm going to start off right now, I believe, with a little video. Let's do a video just to keep it simple. You know what I'm saying? Get you in the mood. Get you in the right mood. It's time, y'all. It's time. It's this thing that I'm holding in my hand, this telephone, this camera, it is quite powerful. Um, social media is powerful. We can do something with this. If we want to change, we can really, truly make it happen. You know, we sit out here and talk about, oh, we need the next so-and-so and this and that. No, you don't. No, you don't. Start in your own home. Start with you. Only adds her up to mine to you. That splash against my hollow bones. That rocks my soul. Looking back over my past dreams that I once knew. Wondering why my dreams never came true. Whoa. Is it because I'm black? Somebody tell me, what can I do? Oh, something's holding me back. I wonder, is it because I'm black? Oh, oh. it's part of a city. I was raised in a ghetto city. Mama, she works so hard for every penny. Oh, I love to hold me back. Is it because I'm black? Like a child selling the first piece of candy and got caught. People around last corner was somewhere I got gone. Something is holding me back. I wonder, is it because I'm black? Somebody tell me what can I do? Will I survive? Or will I die? Oh, it keeps holding me back. Is it because I'm black? Dark brown shades of my skin Only add color to my tears Oh, that splash against my hollow bones That rock my soul Oh, 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 Looking back over false dreams that I was new Wondering why my dreams never came true. Is it because I'm black? Somebody tell me, what can I do? Oh, something is holding me back. Is it 
Yes, it is. It's time for us to, you know, make our our voices heard and our needs met, get them met. You know, it's time for us to ensure that everybody gets together and does the right thing. What I mean by that, get together and vote, get together and uh, protest. I mean, there, there, there's some serious stuff going on, and... Um, we need to get together and make sure that equality is not a thing of the past. How you doing, Devon? I'm going to let you know right now that um, Facebook is going to cut this broadcast shut. Um, I'm glad you, you popped up. Um, it just reminded me that I need to remind everybody that if you are watching on Facebook, please move on over to YouTube, WJBR Internet Radio. Please watch on YouTube. I just do it here just to remind everybody that we're on. Um, But as soon as we start playing music, Facebook gets funky. And so trying to type it up as I talk. Um, I'm a little out of sorts. I've moved around a bit in the basement and so um things are you know a little discombobulated for me right now. Internet radio, there we go. So please watch on YouTube WJBR Internet Radio. That's what's up. Yeah, switch on over. It's gonna be a great show today. It's gonna be a great show today. I hope everybody's been paying attention to the January 6th committee hearings, the hook. Uh, I want to remind everybody also that COVID is not over. More and more people are getting it. Um, you know, it, it seems like the illnesses are not as bad as it was the first go-round, but people are still being infected. Um, And now, welcome to the show. Golden crust. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. (laughs) What's up, girl? How you doing? What's happening? What's happening? How is everybody? I think everybody's doing good. I think everybody is good. How you doing? I'm okay. Um. I know I'm a, a tad bit tardy. Uh, is there a reason why you're wearing a mask? Um, just because it's better for my breathing situation right now. 
Gotcha. That's that's you know I'm I'm just feeling some kind of way, and I for whatever reason I'm breathing better with the mask. Okay. Which is weird, right? You would think, but um, it, it's I guess acting as a filter of some sort. Okay. You know, gotcha. I had to. I found a wall. Let me just say that, and an outlet. Okay. Hey, Devon. See, this is this is this is what I need everybody to do. If you're on Facebook and you see the show, move yourself on over to YouTube right quick. It's not like you have to physically get up to do it. You just you know type in a few things. And and here we go. You know, with Devon, I there's a reason I love you, cousin. It's not just because you you were able to um, move on over. Not because you're just brilliant. But you know, you you you're just dope. You're just dope. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to just wanted to say that. And also, how about we we just play a little bit of her music really quick, since she's here. Everybody and and everybody purchase this. You're gonna like this. This is gonna pump us up a little bit, and then we're gonna have Nathan James come on if that's cool. Is that all right? Can we do that? Can we do it like that? Okay.
Just wanted to play a little bit of that before we bring on Nathan. And with that, Pop, you are so right. It is time to feed the soul with Brunch in the Basement with Javon and Therese on WJBR Internet Radio. And absolutely, there's no RSVP needed. There's always a seat at the table for you. And just a reminder that the views, information, or opinions expressed during Brunch in the Basement series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of WJBR Internet Radio. Most of the time it really does, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily. And with that, we bring on our very own Nathan James. Hey, Nathan. Good morning. How are you, Kima? How are you, Therese? It's wonderful to see you again. Good morning, Nathan. How you doing, babe? I'm doing okay. It's very muggy Saturday morning here in Philadelphia, but I'm getting there. I hope that everybody is doing well and have a wonderful day too. Yes, yes. yes. Blessed to be in the number. Oh, Nathan. A lot of stuff going on. More than a little bit. I mean, <laughs> the hearings that just uh, were held this past week were, as always, uh, phenomenal, and they lived up to their billing. You know, I, I, I never, the hearings never failed to keep me glued to the screen. This one was a little long, but it kept my attention throughout, and with good reason. There were so many bombshells and revelations that went on that it just had me gagging, and it takes a lot to make me gag these days, but last week's hearings most certainly did. Yes. Let me ask a question because I get a ton of questions, you know, and I always say, well, you just have to wait. You know, it's great. It's great show PR because I'm like, y'all just have to wait for Nathan and Javon get at it. Because <laughs> I just argue through it because, you know, I'm, I'm the layman in this situation. But this is an unprecedented moment that we're having. The fact that we even have to have the hearings is one thing, right? Because we, we didn't even do that with Nixon and he had a whole lot going on, right? Oh, they! I think they did have hearings, didn't they? Did they have hearings with Nixon? I don't recall. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, that's when, uh, what's his name? Uh, what's the guy, Nathan, that um, spilled the beans on Nixon? Jesus. Spilled the beans on who? Nixon. Nixon. Richard Nixon? Oh, John Dean. Right. Didn't they have hearings? The hearings, they had congressional hearings. Well, you know what happened? What, ha- what had happened was Nixon resigned. And mm-hmm. the Republicans during that time were, once they heard, once the tapes came to fruition, they, they, all, the, all the Republicans said, okay, you got to resign or you're going to jail. Yeah, and, yeah so that's, that's the difference. Here we have, right, here we have Republicans. The Warren Commission was for, um, was for the Kennedy assassination. Um, this, this here, this, 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 this here is different because you have the whole entire Republican Party, except for two people, 
two main people. Two two people. Yeah, they're main now because they're the two that's actually standing up for democracy and and quote unquote our way of governing. Um and the truth. Allegedly. Yeah, and the truth. So so um back then we had Republicans who actually kind of followed the rule of like, okay, you busted now, bro. <laughs> there's nothing we could do. These Republicans are like, you busted and so what? We just gonna keep lying and we got your back. Yes, which is which is what I get mostly. Meaning, you know, first of all, this is a mini drama, mini series. This, this whole hearing situation, and it's done in such a way that um, anybody that wants to know can follow it you know, um, from the letter. But, you know, like you said, Nathan, there are a lot of bombshells being dropped. Now, are we surprised? No. No, not at all. So who We're are not we, surprised. Who, are these, who, who do you think, essentially, these hearings are for? These hearings, are, and I've said this a few times already, these hearings are, you know, ostensibly for the American people to educate them on what really went on behind the scenes before, during, and after January 6th. But in reality, I think the hearings are for an audience of one person, and that one person is Merrick Garland, the Attorney General of the United States. The idea is to put on so much evidence in such overwhelming quantities that Merrick Garland and the Justice Department cannot possibly ignore it and they understand the gravity and the need to take decisive and swift action against all the players in the January 6th insurrection, including Donald Trump himself. I definitely think this is meant for Merrick Garland. He is the intended audience. Okay. So was it hard to get Merrick Garland in an office with the Department of Justice internally and handle this in-house because this is a um, this is relatively like when you go to this degree of evidence of of fact-finding and then you're going to put it for the public so now it kind of feels like a, a, an entity that is it's charged with the responsibility of keeping us safe responsibility of re- reviewing evidence and and going after folks now there. Now the American people are putting them on trial, kind of, sort of, in the, the court of public opinion, because you presented it to the public. I, absolutely. You know, January 6th represents the biggest criminal case in the history of the Justice Department. No criminal case that the Justice Department has ever prosecuted has had this many defendants, has had this many avenues of investigation, and has led this high into the top levels of the government. Now, Watergate, one thing Watergate and January 6th have in common is that they both revolve around an election. That was the cause for the events that followed. But uh, as Javon pointed out, Nixon resigned because he understood at some point that the government and the way the government worked, he was not going to have the votes to avoid being removed and convicted at an impeachment trial, Trump, on the other hand, has chosen to cling to the big lie. He's chosen to double down. He's still trying, according to Liz Cheney, 
to intimidate witnesses that haven't yet testified before the panel. I believe that. And, and on top of all that, we're hearing revelations that even the Justice Department admits they did not have before the January 6th hearings began. I see Ms. Thompson said, how about the Secret Service text suspiciously being deleted? I'm going to get to that in a minute because just like in Watergate, it's not always the crime. Sometimes it's the cover-up too. And there's definitely um, more than a little bit of covering up going on here. It does raise the question, and I think President Biden should really review who is on his Secret Service detail, because we already know that in Mike Pence's case, several of the agents assigned to him were not loyal to him or the Constitution, but to President Trump. That brings up a whole bunch of eyebrow-raising questions by itself. I don't know why that, you know, when, when, you're, when you're playing in the, in the corporation and you come in and you're taking a seat that, like, say, an executive director or an executive seat, you have an opportunity to bring in your own people. I don't know why something is, as uh, a position as coveted and, and as important as the Secret Service, they would not be examined. I don't think they should just serve in every capacity for every president. Like, I got, I, for me personally, I was really nervous when Obama came in with the level of security around him based on the just threats he got just for stepping in the arena, you know? I was really, really concerned. Like, even Michael Jackson had the fruit of Islam <laughs> at his trial. Come on. Somebody has to protect and somebody has to be sure that they're being protected because now you're talking about text, text messages being uh, deleted. What for? What for? That in and of itself, an equipment upgrade? Come on, man. It's not, just for, it's not just what for, but it's who benefits. And again, we're seeing more and more things come out of this hearing, even between the hearings, like this little revelation about the Secret Service text messages. And now the January 6th committee has subpoenaed the Secret Service essentially to say, well, what's going on here? Why are only January 5th and January 6th the, the dates on which these messages were mysteriously deleted? Now, the official story from the Secret Service is this was part of a data reset involving all the phones in the agency, but it seems more than a little strange to me that this would only concern two critical dates in American history, the most critical dates in American history in our recent memory, that we don't have these text messages available to us. Very obviously, more than a few nefarious things were going on. In addition to that, in addition to that, we've heard from a DC Metro cop who was in the SUV with Trump when he wanted to go to the Capitol. The Secret Service lead said no. Trump went crazy and tried to grab the steering This has now been corroborated contemporaneously by someone who is in the car. The Secret Service agents that said they were willing to re rebut this under oath still haven't done so. And on top of that, the whole reason we have to wait until this coming week for the next and final January 6th hearing is because of the volume of new evidence that they have received. Remember, the last hearing was supposed to be this past Thursday. It is now next Thursday at 8 o'clock. It's, I think, going to be the most explosive of them all. It really is. I think it's going to be a grand finale. And I think that 
Well, people are going to be running for cover. And and there's still more people coming forward. There are more, you know, and, and the, the, the great thing is that it's been all his people coming forth and, and spilling the beans out of fear. You know, the, in real fear that, you know, they could get locked up. They know. They know. They knew. And none of them are heroes because they let this shit happen. And they're only coming forth now because they're subpoenaed. And they know that none of them are named Donald J. Trump. Right. So they know that they have very real legal jeopardy here that Trump until this point has been able to escape but they don't have the resources that Trump has. So they're trying to make it look good. They're trying to come in now because they're starting to see things snowball and the evidence pile up. Um, I did not ignore the fact, for example, that every single one of these members of Congress that asked Trump for a pardon, and now that we know they were also in this surreptitious White House meeting. With with Nancy Pelosi. Including, including Representative Marjorie Taylor Peachtree Dish, who wasn't <laughs> even sworn in at that point. She was still a representative-elect. She was not yet a member of Congress. Yet yep. here she is with these other Republican members of Congress sitting with Trump, plotting ways to overthrow the government. This, to me, is just mind-boggling. It, it is something that, you know let's just say 10 years ago, we would have never thought could have possibly happened. Shows the show, the, I mean, we finally got the behavior connected to the action. I can't, I can't sit but to think that this has always been going on. We just haven't seen the behaviors associated with what's been going on behind the closed doors. So January 6th brought a behavior out that was in sync with what we already suspected. No, but that you know what? He was he was doing things, little things that were treasonous that had come out the whole time, the whole time he was in in office, which is why he was impeached the first time. I mean, he had been doing things every day. Nathan, you're going to tell me you were not glued to the television to cable network news every day. Every night, I would go home waiting to see what the hell happened. And, you know, not for, not for nothing. The one reason, you know, if, if I could, if there's only one news person I, I would want to get on here, it would be um, Rachel Maddow. And the reason, the reason for that is that she didn't just give her opinion. She didn't just say what happened. But she's a professor. That's that's what she is. She's a teacher. And so she would talk about something historical that you didn't know what the fuck. Why is she talking about Nixon in 1977 and, and the Bay of Pigs and the, the this and the that? And then, but then she would talk about, and then there was this one clerk who sat for Nixon and was connected to this person. And then this person, and that person wrote a book. And that book, in that book, on paragraph this, you see the excerpt where it says, and then he was talking about that guy who became this guy who became, and now works for Trump. And you're like, oh, shit. You know, like, 
I loved it. it. I mean, I loved it and hated it all at the same time. Um, she's just, she was just really smart and, and always brought this historical perspective, even laws that were outdated, laws from the 17th century that were on the books and just never changed and how they still applied or someone was trying to use it to do some slippery shit. Like, I'm just sorry. My hat's off to her. You know what I'm saying? And un- unapologetically, openly married to her wife and, and talked about her wife on, on TV, whether it was popular or not. Just hats off to that. Now, the reason why I bring her up is because um, she she helped me to understand throughout the whole tenure of his um presidency if you want to call it that i guess whatever right all the nuances to his daily shenanigans and i really wished i I wish now in retrospect and i i wished then that i could get that it was more out there it was almost like only people who were watching her would get that perspective would would get it but I think now with the culmination of it was all leading up to something. And, 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 and this was the big explosive thing. But it also not only exposed him with his dumb ass, but it exposed the entire Rethuglican regressive party. And what their, what their real goal is, it's the ultimate control and power of these United States, it's to eliminate the growth and power of black and brown people, and it is to put women back pregnant, barefoot in the kitchen. When 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 he talked about make America great again, he was talking about the seventeenth. 18th century, 19th century. What was so great about that? What was so great? It was great for him, for his, not for him, he wasn't here, but for his people, quote unquote. But what specifically was great? It was great, what was was great for them, everyone was subservient to white men. (laughs) And that's what they want now. Women, whether they be black or white, Black and white men and everybody else to be subservient to white men. And that's what this is about. Just just, just to bring a footnote from history that I think is relevant. Back in 1934, when the Pennsylvania Railroad finished electrifying the Northeast Corridor from New York City all the way to, to Washington, they held a press conference and the president of the railroad said the rail and the wire have met. This is where we have wanted to go for 30 years. I think that is also applicable to the Republican Party. I think that their rail and their wire have met because this is where they have wanted to go for at least the last half century. Yep. People think Trump just magically sprouted up out of the earth one day and got into politics. The stage was already set for Trump long before he came down that escalator and declared himself a presidential candidate seven years ago. This was decades in the making, and that includes their plan to dismantle Roe v. Wade. This is all part of the long game, which the Republicans have been playing since at least the late 1960s. Lee Atwater, who was Nixon's campaign manager, 
he admitted as much on his deathbed. He said, this is our sudden strategy. This is what we in the Republican Party are going to do, and we're going to keep doing it unless somebody stops us. He came very, he came very clean about all that. So fast forward to the present day. When they write the history of the Trump era, and when they talk about January 6th, they're going to find the same thing. They're going to find out that the causes and roots of the insurrection on January 6th began in America long before Trump ever took office. I've said many times over the last seven years, and I still think this is true today, Trump is not the disease, he's the symptom. Mm. And what I mean by that is what Trump does is what all these witnesses who got arrested, who have been caught participating in the riot, who went up in front of the committee and said, Trump encouraged me to do this. Trump put me up to this. I went there because Trump told me to do. You know, these are not lemmings. These are just people who got permission from Trump to express what they have always felt just under the surface and what they always believed just under the surface. It's no accident that the majority of people that have been arrested by the Justice Department so far are white supremacists, are right-wing extremists, that are just like the witnesses we saw, members of the Old Keepers or the Proud Boys, or just people who got radicalized by watching a very narrow segment of the internet or Fox News, and it in impelled them to go to Washington and to break into the Capitol. Now, when Ayers was testifying at the last hearing, one of the things he said was, I had to change my mind. I had to change my beliefs. I, I came down to earth. But that discounts the fact that he was in the building. He said himself he was there. He was videotaped in the building. At what point do you, as a fully grown adult, look at other people around you breaking into a building and then climbing through the windows and not say something is wrong with this picture? <laughs> he chose to follow the crowd, and I'm not buying that aspect of his story. Exactly. He's trying, to, he's trying to get off the hook, you know, like, you know, do whatever he can to preserve whatever's left of his great life. This is the thing. You already, you had a job, you have a family, you have a home. Now, I'm sure there is more to life than that, but what has this country done so horribly, so horrible to white men that oh. they feel like they have to go and climb walls and kill people? You're like, too reasonable. You're too reasonable. Who, it's a reasonable yes, exactly. Exactly. It's time. For America, make America reasonable again. Let let's well, get let what has has it ever been? But but let's let's make America. Let's go to the promise. How about that? Let's go to the promise mm, that mm. you know, and I can throw a couple of quotes and and build one big document. You know, people being treated equal. No. But we can. Let's go to the promise of of, of people being able to uh, separate church and state. <laughs> oh Jesus! As it ever, we can. You know, there's so many different things that were written that we just—I don't know. What, what did it make us feel good by writing these things, or do we actually get to live in some of these things that we we put liberty and justice for all? 
Have we ever? We can, you know, but it would require some people to go to mental health counseling because the idea that you are superior because of the complexion of your skin has always been one of the biggest mental health issues, crisis, breakdown, whatever you want to call it, ever going, ever going from day one. I'm lighter, I'm whiter, whatever it is. That, that's always been trash. It was trash then, it's trash now. And the idea that people live with this perception enough to want to be able to say you're better than is sick. Reminds me of this, Rezzy. Just a reminder that the guy on the left believes he's an ugly spirit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Steve Bannon is going to find out, uh, I think, in very short order, that he is no better or worse than the defendant standing next to him. Uh, and they sound you know. crazy. They yeah. sound absolutely nuts. So now then what happens is, let me just be devil's advocate as I can, you know, and maybe I'm too logical for politics, perhaps. It just has to make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, it, it, usually if it doesn't make sense, it benefits somebody. That's what I'm, that's what I'm looking at. So, and so far, it never makes sense. So, and I'm not saying what you guys are not sharing um, makes perfect sense. But why they believe that something else needs to exist to me doesn't make sense. So what happens after we get all this out? And we, and all these bombshells continue to burst through the sky like the 4th of July. And they do nothing. I don't think they're going to do nothing, Therese, because okay. enough evidence has already come out of the hearing so far to charge Trump and all his accomplices with multiple felonies. Not just minor things, multiple felonies, including, of course, an attempt to overthrow the government. Just the testimony that we saw in the last hearing about the meetings that were held in the Oval Office in the White House, the most chilling part of that segment of the hearing to me was when they put that executive order draft up on the screen in which Trump was to order the Secretary of Defense to have the military seize all the voting machines. That is the textbook definition of a military coup. And it almost happened right here at home in the United States, the one place in the world we would never imagine such a thing would take place. It was that close. Then you have characters like Sidney Powell trying to become special counsel to the president so she can push her outlandish theories about voting machines and dead dictators and God knows what else. And they were going to sell this to the American people. It's just astonishing to me that people in all seriousness were allowed to advance these kinds of conspiracy theories. They almost got away with it. Another thing I think that the, the January 6th committee is trying very hard to drive home to the American people and to Merrick Garland is just how close Trump and company came to succeeding in their attempts to overthrow our government and install Trump as a dictator. He would have been an unelected president. He would have been a dictator. And that would have been the end of the United States as a democratic republic and a political entity. So this is something that I don't think people can really turn away from. I've heard the January 6th series described as a slow motion train wreck. You want to look away, but you can't. Uh, 
that's the impact this is having even on on quite a few republicans who are now coming out and saying well look i can't ignore this this is this is something that was clearly there were nefarious things going on where do we go from here right i think that the justice department at some point in the near future will have no choice but to start issuing indictments they've already done that with jeffrey clark with john eastman they have high-level people that they've searched their houses. Rudy Giuliani has had his house searched by the feds. Yeah, but so, you know what? You know what, Nathan? They're not coming down with indictments on this January 6th issue. They're doing no, a lot of seizing and, and exploring. Let me say this. Put yourself in Merrick Garland's shoes for a minute. In fairness to him, he has to craft a prosecution possibly of a former president of the United States that has to be flawless because we're talking about the consequences of what happens if Trump is either acquitted or more likely Trump's attorneys find a way to hang the jury. Remember, they only have to convince one person in order for that jury to be hung. Well, first of all, I believe, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, the um, his trial, if he was to have one, would be in Washington. Is that correct? In D.C.? Yes, it would be in Washington, okay. D.C. That's the district so, where the crime happened. I think, I think we could find 12 reasonable jurists in D.C. It's not like it's going to be in Mississippi or something like that. So that's, I, I kind of have I faith. Know. We got a whole lot of fraudulent uh, politicians. I don't know. No, about I know about the, the politicians, but the majority of the people that reside, that are the citizens of D.C., are people like you and I. That's, that's what I'm saying. The other thing is justice needs to be swift, okay? All of this stuff that's coming out through Congress and this co- congressional hearing, Merrick Garland and his team should have had this already. There's no reason why Congress should be doing the investigation for the DOJ. They saw what happened. They had, the, they had access to the same people, and as a matter of fact, they have a heavier foot than the congressional hearings because the congressional hearings are not, is not a trial. It's just a fact-finding, exploration thing where you, you know, have people say to the people what happened, answer to Congress what happened. And after that, it's nothing. However, with the DOJ, you... What happened, if you lie, you're going straight to jail. We're not playing with you. Um, and, 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 but that's with the DOJ. That's the Department of Justice. That's like going, mm-hmm. that's going to court. That's, going, that's the police for the United States of, the, of America. That's the, the district attorney almost. Correct. Correct. You but know what I'm saying? Okay, so all these facts come out. Who is responsible for ultimately prosecuting and sending The these DOJ. Facts? Okay. Merrick so, Garland. So right. this is this so this is what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if there's one and I've said this before, if there's if there's one um rebuke, not rebuke, I don't want to say rebuke, but and and I believe that Pam is going to come up in here and and let it all out on Merrick Garland. Let me tell you. But 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 <laughs> but um because I can't think of the word that I'm thinking of, but I know Pam's going to say it in a lot more. Um, my biggest disappointment 
in in this administration is the appointment of Merrick Garland. Initially, like everybody else, I thought it was a good um, choice because Merrick Garland is a very fair-minded man with a great reputation of being um, a, a, a thoughtful judge and, you know, a fair judge. But he is acting like an old man in a wheelchair, not even in a cane, with a cane. He's supposed to move. So this, um, this, these hearings are excellent, but this should be a trial, an open trial on televised, live and televised for the American people. Because this, this, this is but a hearing. And, and, in so what my, do we know after that? Trial? So, so yeah, well, if Merrick Garland decides to do that. So that's so, my thing. So, so he's a Biden so, appointed official. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with it. See, this is, well, it does and it doesn't. So this is, this no, is the I, thing. Um, like I said, my one disappointment and the only pick that Biden made that I am very disappointed in is Merrick Garland. And why can't he say, yoo Mary, why aren't you doing no, your because, job? because nobody, first of all, nobody's going to say that he hasn't said that. As a matter of fact, people are saying that he has. However, one of the, re- one of the things that is supposed to be is a separation between the executive office, which is the president, and the Department of Justice. Well, so, we know that. Listen, so, all the reg- we know that. So, so this is... Washington, we know them clowns so, talk to each other. No, we know they talk to each other, but he's not the boss of him to, to dictate to him what who to prosecute. So that that's the that's the line that was drawn, that was crossed during the Trump administration with Barr and Trump that 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 Biden is 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 determined not to cross, which is the wrong thing because as to your first your initial question, what happens if all of this stuff comes out and and nobody and nobody's prosecuted? What happens is the next guy, the next Trumpy guy to come in, will not be incompetent. He will be successful. And the United States of America will no longer have the same laws, Constitution. It won't mean any any of the same thing. You will not have. We will not have the right to sit up and say whatever we want to say because they will come like the Gestapo and shut you down and lock you up. And you can't. You won't be able to march. As a matter of fact, they're trying to stop young women of childbearing age from being able to to cross state lines. You can't even travel free in the in the country. So basically, it makes no sense. Nothing, with all this information and all these facts, it's not saying that nothing's going to happen. It was a strong possibility that nothing will happen. We'll just have to eat crow on everything that we've now heard. If nothing happens, nothing happens. If if if, if nothing mm-hmm. happens, something happens. It gets worse. If well, the hearings, the hearings themselves have had great investigative value. You know, you look back at the Senate hearings that they had during Watergate. Uh, that directly precipitated Nixon's resignation. If Nixon had not resigned or been pardoned by President Ford, it's almost a certainty he would have been indicted by the Justice Department 
for obstruction of justice, for bribe receiving, and for tampering with an election. Those were all very valid things that were brought out by the the Watergate uh, Senate Commission. And one interesting thing is here in the January 6th hearings, we've already had our John Dean slash Alex Butterfield moment, and that was when Cassidy Hutchinson gave her testimony, just like when Alex Butterfield confirmed that there were, in fact, tapes, and he, he said to the chairman of the committee, you find out what's on them in the obvious way. You take the tapes out and you play them. I think that what Cassidy Hutchinson did for the January 6th committee was she made it abundantly clear that not only was the White House a major player in what took place at the Capitol insurrection, but they had knowledge and malice aforethought. She was very upfront about that. These are the things that the committee can then refer to the Justice Department. They do have the power to make criminal referrals on the evidence that they develop. That's what I think one of the main, I think that's one of the main things that is of value in the January 6th committee. Keep in mind that Congress does this kind of thing all the time. They hold investigative hearings and committees to find out what went wrong in some area of the government and sometimes who went wrong. That's exactly what's going on today. And I think, again, Merrick Garland is absolutely right to be cautious because what if he were to bring Trump to trial in the district court sitting in D.C. and he loses and then Trump becomes president again? You think Trump won't very quickly put Merrick Garland in federal prison? I that think faster than your head can spin. Okay, see, see, very careful here. And see, and that's, that's, the, that's the thing I'm talking about. With all the stuff that we've uncovered so far, and by we I mean in the in the hearing, that should be enough to minimally stop him from running again. It's logical. Why would we want to turn around and have this man? be capable of, of, of running again. And the fact that we have not put in some stops, I mean, they create new shit every day. Why hasn't Biden done something? They create new stuff every single day to suit their needs. Why hasn't he, under executive order, of course. You know, I'm not saying he can do anything about the entire thing, but what I'm saying is he can put in an executive order on something. Not to make, not to determine who can run and who can't run. No, not no, not who can run and who can't run. Trump, based on all the stuff that we can prove at this point, and, I, and this is before the hearing. We've had stuff. He's a big twice. Right. So the only the only people who can do something about that, Therese, is the Senate. The Senate has to act. It's not the president. It's the Senate. The Senate would have to... Can't the president do an executive order to get the Senate to do something? <laughs> no. The, the, the... Okay, so each, each... I don't know how to explain it, except to say that, that the, the Senate is not more powerful than the president. The president's not more powerful than the Senate. The president can't make the Senate do anything. No, I mean, However, he can, he, can, he can put forth a bill for them to sign. However, this current Senate, even though we have the quote-unquote majority, we really don't 
because we have two Republicans in Democratic clothing. I, I don't, I don't, I just don't. So I think it would be a travesty of American, every sense of the word, if it was ever any, to allow this man. To, if we're, we, we sit, it feels like we're sitting in fear of this guy coming back to, to do what essentially should have been done to him because we couldn't get it done. We can't get this done with all these facts. We don't even need to be united. Nothing. We're all the, pro- the problem. This is no. This is this is the thing. The Republicans have to decide that they are not going to allow this man to be their guy. They have to act in the best interest of the United States of America and not in their own personal best interest. And these guys are only interested in themselves and their own idea of maintaining their power. And so anything that, and and what makes it even worse is this current Supreme Court is even worse than the Senate. So like Biden could bring something up and then these senators sue and take it to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court is gonna overturn it because why? Trump appointed, Trump appointed these people in in the the Supreme Court. Could have should. Well, well, hold on. What was that? I said that. I said. I said that. The streets were talking, and the streets just told me. The streets just told me do it anyway and call their bluff because do what? Fear of do what? Tell tell Biden to do the bill. What bill? Introduce the bill that presidents that two two as I see it presidents that um, the, the president impeachment bill I don't care what we call it the president impeachment bill if you got impeached once you're not allowed to run again do the bill introduce it to the floor let them veto it I don't care do it well that's that's that that's a good idea but that's not the right mechanism the way to keep Trump from running as the presidential candidate of the Republican Party for another term is at the Republican National Convention. The leaders of the convention can invoke Rule 40B. That allows them to suspend the other normal rules of procedure and select a dark horse candidate. You know, the party has the ability to choose its nominee. And, you know, this this has historically been done in recent history. In 2008, when there was a lot of contention between Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama at the Democratic National Convention, this is, in fact, what Nancy Pelosi did. She took a, a roll call vote, voted to suspend the rules, and nominate Barack Obama as the candidate on the first ballot. The deal between Hillary and Obama, of course, was that she would award him her delegates, and in return, she would become Secretary of State, which is what did happen. What I'm getting at is this kind of horse trading gets done all the time, and if the Republican Party really does not want Trump to be their standard bearer for a third time, it is within their power to prevent him from becoming their nominee. You know what? We can't even get the Republicans to vote to give babies milk. <laughs> so how in the, how in the world? <laughs> right about that. Okay, Boy. they won't even give babies milk just for the idea of keeping themselves in power or making them to 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 make biden look stupid okay these are unaborted babies no (laughs) give give 
Yeah. Unaborted babies. No. Wow. Yeah. Once you're born, you know, the, the fuckery is real. But we don't want you killed, but we ain't doing shit for you if you get here. You know we'll what? Starve you when you get here. <laughs> You know, it, it, it's it's insanity, it's shenanigans, and I'm I'm so freaking fracking excited right now in this moment. Um, we we talk about her on the show all the time, right? These recently, Therese, you started watching her on Twitter and like, yeah, yo, I have actually. Yo, Jay, your girl is kind of your girl is on fire on. Tw- I'm like. Hello. Ungodly hours, just like I do. No, so I when think I see something go off. I even had to put notifications. She's so hot and burning, and I she's think, so right. I think she wake up in the in the middle of the night and be like, and another thing, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, well, I, I have to say, um, she won me over, but but privately, I had to pay attention a little more. And, you know, when they come on my radar, they come on the radar. And then, you know, when I started to see them, then she gets straight to the point. It's not a whole lot of rigmarole. It's not a whole lot. Listen, she says exactly what's on her mind, and, and her tweets are on fire. Get her up in there. Say it plain with Pam Keys. I kind of like that. Let's get it. Pam Keys. Hey. Hey, Hey, Javon. What's up? Hey. Nathan James, Pam Keys. Hey, Nathan. Um, Pam, just an FYI, um, Nathan is the judge of elections in Pennsylvania. In um, Ooh, I have a I have a home in your state, Nathan. So you better be on point because people are trying to play all kind of shady games in, the, in that state. I know, I know, and uh, we're doing everything we can to make sure that there are full, free, and fair elections here every time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for your work. And I'm praying that everybody in the sound of this show is thinking about being an election volunteer. Be an election volunteer. It's one of the most system disrupting things you can do to to not count votes, to slow things down at the polling place, to slow walk uh, people um, who are trying to get into the polling place and so forth by hyper scrutinizing their ID or just taking your time or whatever. So it's really important that we have folks that are committed to free and fair elections um, looking over and being present where everybody else who is not uh, might be. So if you're not thinking about volunteering to be an election worker, do it. It is is a wonderful thing to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One of the things that um, we talk about often, Pam, is that um, the best way to counter all the shenanigans that's going on is to have people that you believe um, would work in your best interest, believe in your goals, your, your morals, your, you know, your needs or whatever, um, get them to run for office and, and get them in Absolutely. at the, at the very, from, from the community boards, you know, local elections all the way up. That's the only, that's the only way to, to win. Can I, can I disagree with you? Disagree with me, Pam. See, I think that's like the kindergarten level of engagement, right? Because that's not how corporate America does it. They mm-hmm. don't they don't hope that they can elect somebody that has their interest in mind and then just let it go and keep their fingers crossed, right? That's not how corporate America does it. When corporate America invests in a candidate and puts them in power, they also keep have lobbyists who, who track everything that they do every meeting that they take, 
they write legislation and hand it to that elected official and says, oh, I sure expect you to vote on this the way I expect you to because it'd be a shame if I wasn't able to support you in your reelection, mm-hmm. right? So we don't really have that. The theory, our paradigm in our politics is that the voters put the people in office and then somehow if the voters are unhappy, they'll take the people out of office. But the voters mostly don't know what people are doing in office, right? So it's an access problem. Voters do not have access to people in power like people with money have access to people in power. Mm. And that is what is used to kind of do the shucking guide once you get elected, right? So the reason we have this disillusionment in our politics is because we keep thinking we're going to elect people who are going to think like us and be like us and care about what's going on with us without recognizing that the minute they get into those positions of power, they stop being like us. Wow, that's pretty deep. Right? And true. I'm sorry. The minute you get to be a member of Congress, you get an entourage, you get a staff, you get access to all this kind of money, you get paid for speeches, you get paid for books, right? Like you get paid. So all of a sudden, you start to have this conflict between, and, the, and the, this is important that you listen to this. That develops a conflict between what your constituents need and what you need to do to stay in power. And what happens in the mind of an elected official is that 99 times out of 100, they start to sell themselves and, and, and reckon this, this conflict by saying that what's best for the people is my reelection. Mm-hmm. That is what's best for the people. They've elected me. And I'm, oh, nobody could do it as well as me. Nobody could represent these people as well as I can. And so what's best for my people is my reelection. And over time, the longer you are in power, which is why I support term limits, but the longer you are in power, the more you start to conflate your reelection with the benefit of the people and the service of the people. And so that's why I say it is kindergarten politics to focus on electing people. If you want to be a ninja level in politics, it is not about electing people. It's about being present in their face once they're elected. It's Mm. about being able to tell them what they're going to vote on and what the consequence to them will be if they do not. That is when you start to get into that mastery of politics. When you move large blocks of votes and believe me, you don't have to be rich to do that. Right. Right. Like grandmama who feeds everybody in the hood in, in Ward five or Ward eight and, and, is, and moves five or six thousand votes in a critical district in a critical city. Grandmama, if she decides you can't eat at her table, then you're not going to get those votes and you're going to lose that reelection. Right. But if grandmama doesn't know what you're doing, then she can't move her power the way she should. Right. So what happens is. You know, if you're a new challenger candidate, if it's a new seat, then everybody's kind of playing on a level playing field, right? Everybody's got to win over grandmama, right? And she's going to give her favor to some or not other. It may not be grandmama. It may be Pastor McKnight, right? Pastor who can get you in to the church because everybody's not going to get into the church. And he may get into the church and he may let you talk, but then the other time, the other candidate he's praying over, Right? When the pastor prays over a candidate, it sends a different message, and the pastor that just lets the candidate speak. Mm, that's true. Don't know that, right? 
But that is functionally power, is ability to move votes. The problem is our power is unsophisticated because we don't move those votes based on how well those elected officials actually serve our community. Right. That's the problem. Sorry, mm-hmm. I went on a diatribe. But it's no, awesome. but it was a good one. It, it, it was a good one. You you brought some some new stuff to my mind, you know? Um, I've, I've talked about those term limits. I think it's trash. I think we need to get rid of them. I think that the longest people sit and rot, you don't even keep fruit in the in the house that long. Why are we why are we doing this? Supreme Court, Clarence Thomas should have been out of here. I'm done, done. Oh, God. The House, doing term limits for the House is a lot easier than doing it for the Supreme Court because the Constitution doesn't say life appointment, but then it doesn't say that you can get fired either. So constitutional amendments are harder to pull off. But look, I am a big fan of term limits in all positions of power because I believe that we need new blood. And I believe that, I mean, not when you have that kind of constant turnover, Sometimes things just don't get done because some projects take longer than two terms or three terms to get done, right? So there's a problem there. But there is, even if you have term limits, you can have committees that have staff that are consistent, right? So that the institutional knowledge sticks around, even if you get new blood, right? And that's how you can counterbalance that. But anyway, we're getting in the weeds. I know y'all didn't want to talk to me about term limits. You want to talk about a thing, so. Yeah, what? what? Let, me just say, let me just say this. Now, during my first campaign, this is my first term in office. Uh, I went around with Democrats. I spoke very locally on a very grassroots level. And one of the things I try to remind people is that it's the people who vote in every election. The example I love to use is AOC. Yeah. And the reason I, use, I love to use AOC's first campaign as an example of what can happen when people make it their business to get the calls is in the primary when AOC ran for the first time, she was running against the machine gun, her opponent, Rowley. He had been in Congress for 14 years. He was an established, settled politician, and everybody thought he was the favorite son, but he didn't even bother to come home and debate AOC. He didn't do what AOC did. AOC got up, went to the subway stations, greeted people on their way to work, greeted them when they came home. She and her staff slapped a lot of shoe leather, a lot of shoe leather in the Bronx and Queens, and they got people galvanized to vote. Yep. The second time AOC ran, she had nine challenges. She beat them all. Yep. But and that's also because she's big on constituency services. So this is why I say to, to my constituents, I say, this is your vote. There is nothing more important. If you want to see the government meet your needs and understand your priorities, it's up to you to go to the ballot box. Yes, I agree with you, Pam, that as you get into higher levels of government, as you run for higher office, it does make a difference what is in your campaign war chest. And corporations do tend to stuff your war chest if they think that you will do their bidding once you're in office. But I think that even on a local level where I am, or whether you're on a statewide or a national level, the underlying principle is still the same. Absolutely. If people are interested in their galvanized and their voting, the outcomes will be very different. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Money doesn't vote. People vote, right? And you can get votes for free. What money does, though, is get you 
name recognition and access, right? Like it gets you, people know who you are or what you're on the ballot. So one of the advantages of AOT, and I, I love her election because I, you know, my campaign used some of her campaign um, messaging people. Um, one of the things that you people forget about AOC is that while it is true that she did a whole lot of grassrootsy stuff, and she did it kind of on the download because she was in the in the neighborhood and in the in the in the, it, but also just keep in mind that she had a very very small footprint to work in because it was you know the Bronx, like it was New York, it was like okay, it's a dense population, right? So she could get her message out by flyers and by being, because people in her neighborhood, she knew where they were moving, you know, how they move on the subway, on the taxi, on the, you know, the bodegas, you know, she knew where her vote was and she was able to get to her vote. It's a lot harder to pull off in like Kansas, right? Like where you have, your, your district is 190 miles this way and 98 miles that way. And it's a much, much tougher thing to do. So in that kind of a district in Kansas, for example, you're not going to be able to Kansas, Kansas. Right. You're going to have to be on TV. You're going to have to do other things. You're going to have to have uh, local, you know, influencers doing stuff for you and so forth. It's not like it can't be done in a grassroots way, but it's a much harder thing to do in a grassroots way. Eventually, AOC started to get the attention of bigger money aggregators like Working Families Party and other things like that, MoveOn.org and so forth. And they they poured money into her campaign, too, because, you know, the first thing you need is enough to have a staff and, and be and, and a team around you to be taken seriously. That's you know and, and another thing is that we don't teach people how to run for office, especially not for high office. And so the first ninety percent of the people who try the first time, especially me, right, make all kind of crazy mistakes because nobody's going to tell you the truth. The first people who are going to come to you when you file papers to run for office are people who are looking for a gig. And because you don't know anything, everything sounds good. Right. So most truly talented candidates do founder for a while and most end up failing first before they succeed. And some fail two or three times before they succeed because it is so hard to run a campaign. It is absolutely like I used to say, and I know this, there's listeners out there who may be Caucasian, but I used to say that there was a secret white people have about money managing that black people don't learn. And we don't teach our children asset management because we didn't have assets to manage, right? Our parents taught us about checkbooks and savings accounts. Their parents talked about IRAs and, and, and money market funds. But there's the same kind of secret about politics. You know, we, there is every black person you talk to knows how to tie the church. You ask them what about their political giving, and they'll look at you like you have six heads. But you go to the Jewish community, and I love my Jewish brothers and sisters. I love them to death. They know about political movements because it was existential for Jews in our country and elsewhere to be politically visible because they were socially invisible, right? So they had to be politically organized and structured. So you look at Jewish giving to politics, it's astronomical because they've always prioritized doing it. And there's another thing, and that, that same kind of the secret of it kind of thing exists in how to run for office. There is a way to run for office in black districts designed for black voters. But if you're not doing that particular thing, if you're trying to run in a mixed district or an open seat or whatever, it's a mystery. And the DCCC will not tell you the truth about it. I'm just going to call out my own party right now. They won't tell you the truth about it. And they will tell you all kinds of things that sound like encouragement. 
They really do. Let me give you an example of what it sounds like when you go to the DCCC and say, hey, I'm a black woman candidate running in a, in a purple district. I'm excited. I'm a veteran. I'm an officer of the Navy. I'm an attorney. This is what they'll say. Oh, my goodness. We are so excited to meet you. You have an amazing background. And this is such a competitive seat. It's so exciting what you're doing. And you look like you could really, really get people excited about what you're doing. So we're, we're just going to be, we're rooting for you. We're, we're rooting for you. We're looking forward to working with you. We think you have a great opportunity here. And we're, the whole staff has been talking about how great a candidate you are. That is DCCC speak for fuck off. Wow. DCCC speak for we give a shit about you is, okay, who's your fundraiser? Who's backing you? Here are the three top fundraisers we're going to put on your campaign. Um, We need to sit down and decide who your campaign manager is going to be. We're going to call Emily's List and Planned Parenthood and have them join in with your CM next week. That's when you know DCCC is taking you seriously. But if you have never run for office, you think that first thing is encouragement. Like, you got a shot at it. Oh, they like you. Mm. Yeah. But you don't know. And if your parents weren't in politics, if your circle was not in politics, your background is not in politics, you don't know that. It's the same thing with Grandma Ma and her savings book. She got $9,000 in a savings account. She thinks she's doing good because that means she's got enough for a couple months' run. And that's what you're, you're raised to believe is good money management, having a few months in the savings account, right? But that's what you know because we don't teach money savvy to black kids coming up. Our parents don't talk to us about credit. I know what I, my parents didn't talk to me about credit before I went to, to college. First thing I did when I went to college, orientation week, Capital One has credit cards. <laughs> they sure do. Right that table. Orientation. <laughs> it's free money. And I knew I wasn't going to spend anything on my Capital One card. I knew I wasn't going to because I knew I had to pay it back. Right. What I did not know was that on that night when you're at the bar, when that that thing, when you go to the party, or oh my God, there's a there's a I gotta look good. I gotta go get those shoes. I you know, so I go get those shoes. <laughs> right. And the next thing you know, you're calling your mom and your dad and going, I can't, I'm I'm heading over my head. Right. So there's a secret out there to how the the ballers really move. And it's never the way the black folks do things. The way we do things is never the way the ballers really move. And it's almost like black folks had to get out from around other black folks to figure out how the ballers really move. You know what, Pam? I, I wanna I wanna make a make a curve here and talk about something else. I what you're saying, you always you always got it, okay? You 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 always got it. But I have a burning desire right now. Okay. I mean a deep seated burning desire. Okay. I'm just gonna throw out two words and and I just want you to whatever it elicits from you, I just want you to just do it. Okay. Oh yeah, I know I think I know. Oh, okay. January sixth. I'll throw out a third word. 
committee. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. I am pleasantly surprised by the committee. Because I honestly thought it was going to be more like Mueller 2.0, but mm. it's been way more fire than that. And I think they learned from the Mueller report, honestly. I think they learned, they hired, rumor has it, I don't know this for absolute fact, but I, I, my understanding is that they hired a television producer mm-hmm. to coordinate the presentations of the hearing, which is why they're tight, their production value is good, and they, and they flow, and they have bombs, enough bombs to keep people coming back and like, oh, shit, and the Twitter to go wild, but it's separated enough for you to process enough. I mean, it's very, very well orchestrated. I also am pleasantly surprised at how many people they were able to get to come forward, how quiet they kept it, right? So it's not leaking ahead of time, and everybody's running. It's must-watch TV. It's must-watch TV. So I got to give it to them. But you say January 6th committee. What does this elicit in my mind? It, it's the thing that I won't shut up about on Twitter. And Therese, since you follow me, you know what I'm going to say. How the hell is our Department of Justice so asleep at the wheel? And I'm here to tell you that that is not a natural phenomenon. It is not that Merrick Garland is bad at this, right? It is that he doesn't want to do it at all. And it is because he does not want to do it at all that it is not happening. 18 months after a coup, a violent coup, not a single person who orchestrated that shit has been held accountable in any way. I think it is a classism in Merrick Garland that thinks it's perfectly smart to go after the little Billy Joe Jim Bobs and inbred Jeds who were there on scene following directions of their boss, right? Because Mm -hmm. he doesn't have a problem putting poor people in jail. It's his bodies he doesn't want to hold accountable. It's his inner circle of GOP operatives that he doesn't want touched. And that is how he has managed to not have a single one of these people who orchestrated all of this by pulling a lie out of their ass in the oval room about mass voter fraud and perpetrating that fraud, that lie on millions of people. And not a one of the mendacious nines who came up with this shit has been held accountable in any way. Now, Y'all know that shit like that don't happen unless Mayor Garland wants it to happen that way. Because you can't stumble and fall into this level of ineptitude. Right? It's purely intentional. The question is, and this is a question where, you know, Therese, you know, I'm coming crossways in my own party. The question is, is it possible, is it plausible that Joe Biden didn't know this was going to go down like this from get-go? And I don't Mm -hmm. think it is. Hmm. Right. Because I know how carefully every person that comes anywhere near the president's circle is vetted, let alone cabinet members. Hmm. They're not just vetted. They're proctologized up, down and sideways. Is it possible that Joe Biden did not know that Merrick Garland was not going to investigate Trump? No, it is not possible in my book. Which means he did know. And if he did know, then it means that he cut a deal with McConnell to get all that GOP support to confirm Garland. Because Garland is the only one who sailed through confirmation. Everybody else just squeaked through. One or two votes, squeaked through. Garland got, what, 20 GOP votes? How the hell does that happen in today's world? They knew. Everybody knew. Right? 
everybody knew that Garland was not going to touch the GOP inner circle, most especially Garland himself. And what he did was come out and say, oh, I'm going to follow the evidence wherever it leads me like it's the fucking yellow brick road. (laughs) But he didn't get on the road. He wouldn't step onto the road, let alone follow it anywhere. So here we are watching this dude play us like we're clowns talking about luck and everybody's like look he's died he's going to he has the intention of holding everybody accountable look he said it don't tell me what he said what is he showing you right because we know what what we know what gop people look like when they're in danger they look like a bug on their back with their legs up in the air they are not silent they're not chill when they're in danger of getting prosecuted they go all over Fox News. They go over all social media. They call it a witch hunt. They fundraise off of it. Look at what Matt Gates did. And then all of a sudden, Matt Gates went silent. Why? Because he was out of jeopardy. Why was he out of jeopardy? Because Merrick Garland told him, you're good. He went after Andrew Gillum, mind you, for some bullshit, but he left Matt Gates alone, right? And nobody thinks that this is not polit- political and partisan when he leaves GOP to crime at their heart's desire. It's only political if he goes after them. Fuck that noise. So let me ask you this now. With the information that has come out, with the work that the committee is doing, how could they not, how could they walk away without egg on their faces if it's there's no... Like egg on your face, what you care? They don't care. They're like making a mask. You, <laughs> you, but there, there'll, be, there'll be political fallout. Like, um, there, there will be political fallout. Right, there will be. But here's the situation. What has happened, what has happened was, is that the committee, there's no way that Biden could tell the committee not to do what the committee was going to do, right? Right. So he just expected the committee to be bad at it, just like the last committee was bad at it, right? Like he expected a bunch of stonewalling and whatever. What he didn't anticipate was Cassidy Huffington. He didn't anticipate, like what he did not anticipate was that Liz Cheney is a little bit better at this than he thought she would be. Like, like, see what happened. She is, is a freaking rock star. I'm, I'm not. I'm not for. She good at what she right. do. Right, not like, for I her politics, but for the way she's handling this. Hats off. She's handling her business now. Let's not get too good over praising because there's some things yeah. I really have a problem with, especially with respect to Jenny Thomas. But let me yeah, 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 yeah. For the moment. But, but the point here is, what happened was the committee didn't expose just what happened in one six. It's exposing everything that happened since 1-6, including Merrick Garland's ineptitude. It is exposing Merrick Garland's complicity. And that is creating tensions for Biden, which is why everybody in rah-rah Dems land is telling me to shut up. Because they're like, oh, no, no, be quiet about all of that because we don't want people mad at the fact that Joe Biden gave a green light to this bullshit. (laughs) There we go. Right? Because we're supposed to be all rah-rah Dems. And what I keep telling them, it is not my Twitter feed that's going to win or lose November. It's Biden's actions that are going to win or lose November. The only saving grace that Democrats have in the total dereliction of both their president and their attorney general, the only green light we have, the only saving grace we have, the only silver lining we have is that every single day the Republicans show themselves to be bigger, more disgusting monsters that we cannot allow to have power. It's, it's like a, every, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Right? Like every day that we look more ridiculous for not prosecuting them, more evil with the shit that they do. And it's like, so the voters out there, as disappointed as they are, 
and as frustrated and freaked out as they are about the threat to our democracy by not enforcing the law, are still watching the Republicans show us exactly what they do if we don't vote. And so they're creating this counter motivation. And so am I able to predict exactly how that's going to work? No. I burn with the fire of a thousand suns to ensure that no Republican ever regains power ever anywhere in this country, period, full stop, no exception. I feel you. That's not because I want to empower these people who will fuck it over when they get in office. It's because I know what's at stake. And I would rather work with the, with the Biden side, who at least has some shame and political self-preservation. Mm-hmm. This, then, 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 Nazis 2.0. Yeah, that, some of the some of the stuff that they're coming out with is just over the top, evil, wicked. This whole ten year old girl thing. I mean, I, no, and no apology, no shame, no, no nothing. Oh well, they're not capable of shame. They're not capable of shame. This is them exorcising, you know, it's either they know they're going to win in, 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 in November because they got it so badly rigged. They know that. And again, Nathan, no disrespect to you, but we know that Russia fucked around with our elections. We know that they haven't closed all those loopholes and we know that they have not been honest with us about all that shit. So, you know, maybe they know they got it like that. Or they're just trying to, to, to the, the fever, wet dream of, a, you know, let's just do everything we can while we can because, you know, the demographics ain't going our way. Like, maybe that's what, I don't know, really know. But, like, this, this whole 10-year-old little girl thing, they wanted to believe it wasn't true because we were going to expose them with the most extreme case. But the most extreme case is not the most extreme case. The most extreme case happens all the fucking time in America. Every day. Every day the rape happens. Every day the incest happens. Every day the ectopic pregnancy happens. Every day the partial miscarriage happens. Every day this shit happens. So it's not the most extreme case. They think it is. It's not because they're that ignorant and that woman hating. And all the people making the decisions are men or women desperate to be confirmed by men. And there we have it. So, Pam, let me ask you a question, then. If we, we got this, these congressional hearings going on right now, all this evidence is coming out, all these bombshells are being dropped, <coughs> and nothing happens. We still have an idiot who could possibly turn around and run again and get elected. I want him to run again. I do. Because... A, that exposes Garland again. All those Garland apologists talking about, oh, no, no way. We're going to have him. I, I, I want him to run again. The reason I want to run again is more subversive than that. The reason I want him to run again is because I think Donald Trump is not the most dangerous Republican. I think Ron DeSantis is the most dangerous Republican. Mm. And if DeSantis, if Trump runs again, that puts an absolute stone wall in front of DeSantis. Because one thing DeSantis cannot do is run against Trump. Let me ask you this, Pam. Let me ask you this, Pam. What happens if Trump runs again, loses, and incites another coup? Won't he be able to get it right this time? Having well, he won't have access to the institutions of government like he had before. He's going to still have some minions in those institutions, but he's not going to have the leadership of those institutions under his control like he did before. So I don't think that's that. That's not my fear. See, the thing is, you gotta understand the, demo, the, 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 the dynamic between the Trump base and DeSantis, 
right? Like DeSantis is 10 times more dangerous than Trump because he's not senile and he's not just easily distracted and on Adderall, right? He's all the evil, all the racist, but focused and knowledgeable, right? So he's 10 times more dangerous. But he doesn't have the cult of personality that Donald Trump does. He's not people running around with the DeSantis flag, like people wearing the Trump flag. Like he does not have that godlike kind of loyalty. And he's in the state of Florida, right? There's already tensions between Trump, is, is Florida Trump state or is Florida DeSantis state? There's always that tension. So DeSantis is keeping a low profile, praying that Donald Trump is disqualified so that he can become the obvious front runner, right? He wants Trump disqualified, but he can't do anything or say anything to look disloyal to Trump because his base is very much a Trump base, too. So between him and Trump, they will choose Trump. Between Trump and anyone, they will choose Trump. Right? There is a base of Republicans who reject Trump who might choose DeSantis, but that base is divided between DeSantis, Pompeo, and Cruz, and, uh, you know, Nome and Nikki Haley, who, what other fringe, like, they, they have this whole sort of colorful panoply of losers that they could divide their allegiances to, right? So it's not a coalesced body, right? There's a coalesced body behind Trump. There's a coalesced body somewhat behind DeSantis if it, was, if it isn't Trump. And then there's sort of this discombobulated also rands in the, in the background there. Okay, but if Trump runs, he effectively stops anybody else from gaining momentum for a substantial period of time. And you know and what? He, and if he announces now, if he announces now, that announcement will draw energy, momentum, and attention, and most of all, money. So he will literally mm-hmm. siphon money out of midterm pockets and put them into his own pocket where he will spend it on shit other than running for office. And my way of thinking, I want the whole Democratic Party to always be running against Trump, right? Because he can never forget, he can never run away, especially with the work of the committee out there showing just how seditious, treasonous, crazy his ass was, right? So I want him to be the boogeyman against whom we are running in November. That would be a gift. Hmm. That would be an absolute gift. And it would also validate that Pam was right about everything. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. But thank you for that, Pam. That's a a great um, perspective. And um, I think to, as to Nathan's question, I hadn't even thought about that because I think a lot of people worry, Oh, wow. There'll be another, he'll, he'll incite another insurrection, but he would, it would not be as quote unquote successful because he doesn't have the ends. He can't make um, the the FBI stand down, make this one stand down. And, you know, um, although he does have minions. Like that on the ellipse again. Right. That's the other thing. The, the other thing is that they're pissed at him, too, because they went to jail. He didn't um, pardon all of those that he promised pardons. And, and they're all a little, little tight with him right now, too. So I think. Trump is overplaying his hand, but mostly he needs money. You know, I've always believed that he's been heavily, heavily indebted to some very, very dark forces. 
and he's paying the vid on a whole <laughs> lot of debt. And that's why so much of his campaign money raised goes into places that nobody can seem to track it. Mm-hmm. Right? So he's a constant, he's, he's never stopped asking for money. He's, he's been raising money all this time. He, he's the single biggest raise, money source or, or recipient of, of GOP dollars by an astronomical percentage. And it is hurting their congressional and Senate races. It is hurting that if you, if you looked at the, the reporting just recently of the second quarter fundraising, the Democrats blew the doors off of the Republicans by a huge margin. I mean, Dems are, and the Senate Dems are crushing the Senate Republicans. Vance, Oz, all of those guys are struggling raising money. Now, granted, Oz has tons of money of his own, so he does, it doesn't matter. But um, from that perspective, the the reality is that Trump is a drain. He's a drain on the GOP. He he sucks up attention. He sucks up money. He he becomes the focal point. The people who voted against him the last time will now have a reason to vote against him again, even though he's not on the ballot because he's now the nominee or the de, the, the 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 de facto nominee because he would be the de facto nominee. So it's just I think it's an absolute. But the reason he's doing it, if you want to really know, it's not just that he needs the money. I think he's trying to evade prosecution, right? Because there's this, been, there's, this, there's this policy, not law, right, policy that, you know, FBI is not going to involve itself or, 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 you know, the DOJ is not going to involve itself if somebody's in office or running for office, right? That's why they haven't touched Ken Paxton, even though he's been under indictment for seven years, right? So... I think he thinks it's kind of like a stay out of jail card. As long as he's a candidate, then he can't be prosecuted. I hope that works for all of us. <laughs> Speaking right? of, of. Oh, it looks like the FBI might get me for drug smuggling. Let me announce that I'm running for president, and now I will be safe from prosecution. Well, I said in an earlier show that Trump is looking to hide in the White House to avoid prosecution. That's exactly where I think he wants to go. And Absolutely. I think I think everybody who votes for him should be um, indicted for aiding and abetting. But the the you know you said something um, about Trump and his getting all this money and and fundraising. And isn't Ivana the one that he he allegedly raped? She yeah. she said he raped, and now he's got to go fund me for his baby mama's funeral. So guess what? You know, yeah. to all the yeah. black people, go fund me for her funeral. I mean, he's, the money that he she got in the divorce, she kept the money he got in the divorce, he blew through. And and now there's a GoFundMe. So, you know, there's no, to all yeah. the black people without insurance, there's no shame in doing a GoFundMe if you need it. Okay. That, that just got blown. The doors got blown off of that one. So yeah, question to Pam and Nathan. There we go. What oh, is your God. take on Gavin Newsom, who is sparking presidential run? And he is my, at this point, he is my front runner for 2024. Everything about that man worked for me, most of all because he's tall. And I think that, that's, that people underestimate how important that is. And he's a good-looking dude. Um, but he's running the world's, what, seventh, eighth biggest economy in a surplus at a time when everybody else is struggling. Um, and he's willing to take the fight to Republicans. That's what I love more than anything. He ran an ad on the 4th of July in Florida against Ron DeSantis, calling his ass out for un-American behavior and inviting people in Florida to move to California. And I thought it was 
brilliant. Is it going to convince Floridians to move to California? No, that's not the point, right? He was talking about banning books and being anti-trans and LGBT and, and, and not saying gay and, and, and not, you know, not saying slavery and, and, and CR, anti-CRT, all this bullshit. Like, I love Neeson Gavin Newsom. What he did on insulin makes sense to me. What he's doing on the ability to sue gun manufacturers makes sense to me. But he's just getting shit done. And he speaks with a clarity that I absolutely adore. I think if he chooses to run, and I think he will, because I have a hard time seeing Biden running in 2024. Everybody's like, oh, he's going to run, and he's doing great. And he's like, dude, if you allowed Trump to walk, you are a dead man walking to me. <laughs> Period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't give a damn that you gave Kamala Harris the vice presidency, because she gave you the White House in exchange. Exactly. I don't give a damn that you put Katanji Brown-Jackson in the Supreme Court. It was long overdue. If you let that motherfucker who attacked my country walk, you are a dead to me. You are dead to me. So I don't care if he runs or he doesn't run. I want somebody to primary him if he does, and I want Newsom to be the nominee if he does. I don't so, think that Biden is going to run at all. I think in a couple of years he's going to be feeling the stress of four years in the White House. He's going to cite his age. And he is going to gracefully bow out of the race. I've said for a while that I don't think Biden is going to run. Now, that, 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 by the boards, I think Gavin Newsom would be a stellar candidate for the Democratic Party. He survived a recall attempt in California. That's not an easy thing to do. Uh, he has been extremely progressive. The people of California love him. He is governor of the state with the largest population, the most diverse population, and his policies have met with sincere approval from his constituency. Absolutely. You know, the, the people forget that what a recall is, is it's a referendum on your leadership. And he passed that test with flying colors. I think he would be a candidate who has the superlatives. The Democrats can, from time to time, produce superlative presidential candidates. Absolutely. FDR, JFK, Barack Obama. These were all the cream of the crop as far as... Uh, presidential campaign efforts go, the Democrats are completely capable of producing these type of candidates that are, and I want to emphasize this point, capable of defeating Donald John Trump in the next election. I think your points are very valid, Nathan. I like your points. I think you make a very good point, but I think I would put a finer point on it, which is just this. There are a lot of things that make a person a good politician. (laughs) There are a few things that make a person a good leader, right? And then even fewer things make you a, a dynamic cult of personality, right? Barack Obama was a dynamic cult of personality. He wasn't just a good politician or even just a good leader. He had that dynamism, that magnetism that drew people to him. And, and Trump has it, DeSantis does not, right? But Gavin Newsom has it. He, Biden does not, Right. Gavin Newsom has that energy, that dynamism that draws people to him, that makes him bigger than the moment, than the stage, than the room, right? And that kind of thing cannot be taught. You either have it or you don't, and people know when you do. Beto has it, right? Stacey has it. Yeah. Keisha Lance Bottoms does not. She's a very good leader. I appreciate that. I respect and admire her. Jamie Harrison does not. There are a lot of people who don't have it, but would you know, always know when the people you you're in the room with a person who does. Because all of a sudden you want to go, oh, my God. Yeah, it drives that kind of fandom, right? That's that dynamism. And, and Newsom has it. That makes him an absolute star. And I put some 
head and shoulders above others as far as I'm concerned. But more importantly, the interesting dynamic is how does, if Joe Biden decides not to run a key rollout, how does he endorse? Because mm-hmm. see, this is the thing. I have a sneaking suspicion that he is not going to elevate Kamala the way you would expect him, like somebody, like the way a Barack would have elevated Joe, right? Like he, he ain't, I don't think he will. Now he might. He, right? he might. You had a right. But I don't think he will. And Kamala doesn't have the dynamism of Gavin Newsom. And she would need it. She would need him to kind of, right? I coordinate and anoint you. He, she would need that for the machine to come in behind her and make her formidable enough to move out Gavin. And I don't see that happening. Not going to happen. Yeah. And also, I don't think he has that, like you said, he doesn't have that charisma or that charismatic oomph to uplift anyone. You know, he's kind of, I think Jill he has, he has, the, he has the more than he does. Yeah. He has control of the machinery. Absolutely. So if he put the machinery behind Kamala, then it would be Newsom's dynamism against the machine, right? But and and in that fight, Kamala could win it potentially, right? If that, but but without it, she's dead in the water, right? And then if it's a kind of embarrassing dead in the water, right? Like because without the machinery, she doesn't have the dynamism to take on Newsom. She doesn't have the visibility. She may be the vice president, but she can't get out ahead of Joe. Joe's making sure that she stay real quiet. And that's why. And that's why. Because of whatever her lack of visibility has been, whether he said to sit that back or she's doing it on her own. That's why. I believe. So, so I'm, she doesn't have, nobody knows what Kamala thinks about anything, right? Because nope. she can't think anything differently than Joe Biden does. Exactly. So whatever he thinks, she thinks too. Right? She is, she is more like, she is more like Pence to Trump than than Biden to Obama. Like Biden had Obama, you know, Obama had Biden in the front of everything, in the face of everything, running stuff, being in the Senate, doing that. He was, he was there. And, 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 and Biden got ahead of Obama on some things and it was allowed and it was, it, it was okay because he was such a senior statesman and he was so respected and blah, blah, blah. Come on, you got that. Yeah. Yeah. He was yeah, a, on a milk box a couple months ago. It's like, where the hell is she? Well, and I look, she's my sorrow. You know, I love Kamala as a person. I want her nothing but great success and all of that, right? I think she's actually a good leader, right? So when I remember how I said there's politicians, there's leaders, and then there's dynamic leaders, she's not dynamic leader to me, but she is leader, right? She could be a good leader. And maybe she could develop that dynamic. But I've been in a room with Kamala. She does not have that, that magnetic energy, Right. And I know because I was told I do have that magnetic energy. Like Which I, you do. You do. Like, like, hey, people came to me, flock to me, like, hey, right? So that kind of confidence and energy is very rare. And the people who have it um, are the ones that we should be flowing to because they're the ones who can – it's that energy that generates more energy. It's that energy that it generates more excitement, volunteerism, you know, tchotchkes and T-shirts and rallies and all of that thing that gets people excited. Right, like, oh, I got something. Because people want to believe in someone, not just vote for someone. They want to believe in something. There's a certain sense of rescue us. They want to hear their own voices out of someone else's mouth. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So um, that is why I'm I'm sorry, I have a little bit of a bad back situation. So um, from time to time, I have to kind of move. But so that's why 
I say, you know, the the front runner for 2024, as far as I'm concerned, is absolutely Gavin Newsom. And I want it to be him. And so you guys, if you're following my Twitter, I'm like blowing him up and, and, and giving him props whenever I can. My, huh? Do you sleep? I do. I do. I'm quite a Weird good hours though, right? Weird hours though. Yeah. yeah, because sometimes when I'm driving and I, and I keep weird hours too, I have a lot of things going on. And I'll see a tweet pop up and I'll go, ha, that's right, because I have my phone kind of in the cradle. So my notifications, you're one of, the, one of my people that I get notifications. Yeah. So, yes, I'm sorry. And there's no one else talking, and then all of a sudden I get a tweet pop up. And I'm like, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Yes. Like, I don't know. I love it. Well, sometimes, you know, that's usually when I have a restless mind, you know, and I have a hard time going down. So then I'll sleep until, like, 9. But mm, I don't know. I I don't really keep track of my sleep hygiene. Maybe I should because I used to be such a regular nine to five, and but I'm not anymore. I COVID just completely blew everything in terms of my 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 sleep cycles, my circadian rhythms, like everything. It just got completely thrown off. But anyway, great for Twitter. I will say this. I saw the question. I think it's a good question. I will say this. The tensions on the Democratic side between the progressives and the centrists and kind of where we're going with all of this. I think the thing that people need to be paying attention to, and I've been thinking about this, and I'm trying to think of a formal way to say it, so y'all going to hear it first, is that there are a lot of Republicans, ex-Republicans and corporate Republicans, who find themselves ill at ease with the current GOP, right? Maybe because they're Jewish, maybe because they're women, or maybe because that's just crazy. Um, and in our politics, there's no such thing as independent. You can be independent, but there is no power in independent, right? right? So they're coming over to the Democratic side, and they're bringing their money with them, and they're bringing their ways and their thinking with them. And what I think is currently happening, which is causing me all kinds of consternation, is that the Democrats, especially Team Biden, is getting intoxicated and, getting, and giving way more access to these ex-Republican, central Republican type people to their decision making. And what they're doing is signaling to that, that ex-Republican, central Republican group that they're not going to kowtow to the left. They're signaling that they are not going to be influenced and pulled to the left by these lefty progressives. And so it's okay to give us your money. It's okay to invest in us. It's okay for it's okay for you to come over to the Democratic side because we're we're keeping the left at bay. And the way that they're signaling that is not moving on student loan debt and not moving on cannabis and not moving on some of these climate issues that you know we really believe very we on the left feel very strongly about and really killed ourselves to turn out. Uh, for Biden uh, about those things. And so I think what we need to be cognizant of is just sort of doing civil war. I don't think it's going to turn up in this election because it's just the stakes are too high. And I just think the other side is too crazy. But I think in this, in 24 and in 26, and you, you, you should prepare to see a cleaving, a, 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 a true reckoning with the direction of the party. Um, and the good news is that at, the only good news in that is that 
as Gen Z and millennials and um, Gen whatever was under Gen Z um, starts to age into the voting population, they will naturally move the Democratic Party a little bit more to the left because they are a little bit more to the left, right? And so there's sort of this sort of centrifugal force that can move the party a little bit to the left. Um, but I, but, but that, there's going to be that counterforce of these sort of refugees from the right who bring money and stability in that sort of orthodox suburban white part, which is the part of the Democratic Party that has so much more say in, on Capitol Hill than the actual votes on the ground, right? Suburban white college educated is way overrepresented in congressional staffers, uh, on the Hill, in government agencies, in think tanks, in, in the ecosystem around elections. It's all the, the, the Johnny just graduated from Boston College and Emily from Notre Dame and, 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 and Joey from UVA who are energetic, young progressives, but they are, they are very suburban white, overrepresented in, in the think of Democratic Party. It's going to be, that's the, that's the war to come. That's the battle to come, sort of sort all of that out, because it's still the black people, the brown people who are the sine qua non to victory. But they're not the ones who are making important policy and messaging decisions on the Hill. Absolutely. So, you know, we're we're getting ready to to wind down a little bit. And when you were on previously, we had done a rapid fire with you. However, you your your internet was a little sketchy. Oh dear. That right happens. now, you sound crystal clear. And we have the pleasure of having Nathan James here. Who can who can join us as well? Um, so what I'd like to do is to have um, do a rapid fire with Pam and each of us, Therese, Nathan, and myself, um, give you five words each. Ooh, Are you down for that, Nathan? I'm always. I'd love to hear Nathan's five words, actually, because I've heard you before, Javon. <laughs> so I like you with his five words. Okay. So let's start with Nathan. Okay. Uh, oh, I get five words? You yeah. give five words for Pam. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll start with um, democracy. I'll say on life support. Okay. Uh, my sentiment's exactly, but I like that. Uh, okay, uh, the next is um, freedom. I would say not if you're pregnant. <laughs> Jurisprudence. Doesn't matter anymore. I can see where we're going with this. <laughs> let me try it. Let me try a different word from left field. Um, Florida. Home. Okay. Constituency. I would say power. All right, Rez. 
want to start with some names. Mm-hmm. Um, Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi. Um, the Black Queen. Barack Obama, and I'm looking at Maxine Waters. Ooh, that's a good one. Only one I can come up with is Auntie. And the last one, Gavin Newsom. Although you spoke, it's like to hear it you find in the finality. Mr. President. Like that. Okay. Um, election. Salvation. United States. This United States. Michelle Obama. Kamala Harris. Where at? And Shaka Khan. Power to the people. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know what? Um, I love you guys. Thank you so much for having me. We we love you too. We we love you too. And um, there's another hearing coming up. What? are your this question is for both you and nathan um what are your expectations this not only for time, y'all. yeah, yeah this not this is going to be a big one i think there's it's going to be a doozy because this one's got to do with how law enforcement was involved in all of this stuff mm-hmm. and i think they're going to be caught dropping down on the dropping dime on the secret service and some others and whoa like and the thing is they've already said that they're going to have more hearings now because more people have come forward and more has been shown but yeah i think they're starting to drive down like that whole secret service kill you know erasing text messages and all of that stuff and then life yeah i think it's going to be bomb.org yeah it's going to reorganize our country and 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 nathan i think it's going to be the grand finale that is going to have us all speechless I really think that given what has come out so far in these past seven hearings, all I'm going to say is buckle up, get the popcorn, get the tea, use the bathroom before it comes on, because <laughs> you're going to be riveted the whole time. All right. Yep. So, so can I, can, all right. So I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to put it out here because I, I just want you both to think about um, potentially coming back next Saturday so that we could um, rehash if you're available I'll I'll talk to you both behind the scenes, but I want to put that out there publicly because I think that there are going to be some bombs bursting through air, you know, and and I think that um, you two are my two favorite people to hear your thoughts on on these things. Thank you, my dear. Take care of yourself. Everybody, everybody, have a great, great weekend. Uh, Stay safe in these streets. Stay safe, everyone.
Sorry, Nathan. Thing doesn't want to turn off, but we're going to turn it off anyway, right? Some kind of way. There we go. Okay. It wasn't not a listen. That was that was excellent. That was excellent. You know. All right, Resi Poo. Just me and you now. Peace. Party people. See you later. Family. Love. Children. Truth. Melody. A gift. Community. Mandatory. Black women. God. Black men. God. Love. God. Visionary. Alien. Hmm. (laughs) Sex. Heat. Mm, okay. You're up next, Javon. No, you have to give him one more. You can't do nine. Oh, oh that was nine? nine? Okay. All right. My, <laughs> to make it even. Okay. My ten. My tenth one. Mm. Luther Vandross. Mm. A gift. See? That, see how perfect that tenth one was? Mm-hmm. That was yeah. Perfect. Perfect. For some reason, my tongue is just not working. Words are not coming out of my mouth properly. Forgive me. I'm articulate. You are quite goofy, but it's just not working for me tonight. So, uh, personality. Fire. Authenticity. needed recreation a must truth honor god black people shaka khan god <laughs> that's all i got for you <laughs> i have a a, a request uh oh can you make your drop lyrical? Like, can you, like, kind of sing it a little bit? <laughs> and that, you hit it with that voice, though? That what, was, which one? <laughs> that was a voice. Wait a minute. But, you know, look, it's, it's him. He, this is Rasan, and you're listening to WBJR. Fuck. I fucked it up. It's WJBR, right? Yes. Yeah. WJBR. Okay. This is Rasan, and you're listening to WJBR Internet Radio. Nice. Thank wow. You. Thank you. Thank. You.
With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 